What's up, people? I'm Erica, the Cocktails and Capitalism podcast, and today I'm joined by an abolitionist organizer named Micah Herskin, who has been involved with and written extensively about the movement to stop Cop City. Before I let Micah introduce himself, I wanted to let you all know that I'm going to be sipping on the Stop Cop City cocktail, which is made of blueberry shrub, whiskey and soda water, or whatever kind of hard alcohol you want to use in this. Um, the drink was crafted by the show's resident anti-capitalist bartender, Jesse Torres, in honor of the de- decentralized movement against the planned $90 million corporate-backed police urban warfare training facility uh, known as Cop City. Micah, welcome to the show. How are you doing? Good. Thanks for having me. It's great to be here. So, so stoked to have you on the show. <laughs> I've been following your work for a while and really, really excited to actually finally connect with you. So very excited. <laughs> um, Thank but you. Can, can you tell a little bit about yourself and uh, your involvement in the movement? Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, I'm an organizer and a writer. Um, have been you know, writing about the movement for a while now. Um, and, you know, any, I think anytime you say that, what I always want to make really clear about the movement, um, you know, is that it is this incredibly decentralized movement, um, you know, that is really made up of so many different people. And, you know, I know that different people see different people's faces at different times as, you know, who's, who's doing the podcast, who's talking, but, you know, I always just want to like, um, be clear, you know, just how many people are involved in this movement, whose names you will never know. Mm -hmm. Um, and, you know, just always, always lift them up to. Yeah. And that's especially important to highlight the decentralized nature of this movement, given that we're talking about the RICO charges, which are trying to right. paint the movement as an organized criminal enterprise, um, which is absurd and absolutely insane. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, I'm, I don't know if you want to share anything else about yourself or if you just want to dive into talking about the RICO stuff. <laughs> Yeah, let's do it. You know, I forgot to say I'm also a law student, but uh, we don't we don't talk about that so much. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's definitely But we do actually we do need lawyers, Um, you know, speaking of these RICO charges, um, you know, the state, you know, I know we're about to talk about it more, but the state is really sort of coming at people in the movement with everything that they have. And we need good movement lawyers to defend people from these political prosecutions. Um, So I hope that if any Georgia attorneys are watching, they will reach out to the Southern Center for Human Rights and help represent folks. That's awesome. Hell yeah. And I'm so glad that you are in that field and so involved in this movement, because that is a key component here, understanding all of the legal implications of being involved in this movement and all the consequences that people are facing, which are absurd. But yeah, so let's just dive into talking about RICO. Um, So the grand jury, the same grand jury who indicted Trump has indicted 61 people with RICO charges for their alleged involvement in the Mm -hmm. movement to stop Cop City. Um, I was just hoping that you could kind of give some of the basic details about these RICO charges um, and where they're coming from. Yeah, absolutely. So big picture, RICO um, is, you know, a statute that was first created at the federal level, and then a bunch of states adopted sort of state level versions. Um, And it's basically a a criminal statute that is um, used to group people together for, you know, criminal charges, basically in, in one case, and sort of like the the stated theory of why it was first created, um, you know, was that it was a way for prosecutors to basically um, connect 
people go and when they were going after the mafia, this, this is sort of the story is a way to connect sort of low level people carrying out the crimes with, you know, the, the so-called mob bosses. Um, yeah. And, you know, of course people, you know, at the time people in the years since, and of course now, you know, warned that this tool that can be used to group a bunch of people together under a so-called conspiracy, basically, you know, they're, if they're framed to be as part of the same organization that is furthering some goal through, you know, alleged criminal acts, people, of course, knew that that was going to be, you know, weaponized against the left. That's going to be weaponized against people fighting for justice. Um, and that's happened before. And it's what's happening now. So, you know, this indictment is of 61 people. Um, basically, the the theory or the fabrication that the prosecution, that the state attorney general is setting out um, is that the Stop Cop City movement is made up of this um, organization called Defend the Atlanta Forest. And, you know, just right there, that's false. There is no organization <laughs> called Defend the Atlanta Forest. There's a Twitter account that has that name. That's, yeah. a, that's a phrase that a lot of people use because people want to defend the Atlanta Forest. Mm -hmm. That's not an organization. Um, but, yeah. you know, the prosecution's theory is that there's this DTAF organization, um, you know, that is conspiring to commit violent crimes in order to stop cop city and you know it's supposedly this centralized mob-like structure where you know their their allegation is that organizers who are part of a bail fund the atlanta solidarity fund which bails people out of jail when they are criminalized for protesting their theory is that these people are at the center of this criminal enterprise and together you know they are they are you know trying to stop cop city through these violent means um and when you read the indictment which everyone should do, um, it's, it's stunning, you know, what, what they lay out. So, you, you know, what they say in this indictment is that DTAF is this um, anarchist gang, essentially this anarchist enterprise, and it believes in things like mutual aid and social solidarity oh and collectivity. <laughs> and it's saying these things as if like, these are things everyone should be really scared of. And, Jesus. you know, these are these violent anarchists who, you know, in this organization, um, you know, are, are coming for the very foundations of, you know, American society, which, you know, the Ameri American society status quo is racialized, violent capitalism. Um, so <laughs> we I'm do want change. Yeah. That, you know, tr right. Trying to transform the status quo is a good thing. <laughs> um, but, you know, th this theory that they're laying out that this is some like centralized anarchist gang and that the, it, that the state should be criminalizing acts of mutual aid and solidarity. Um, it's really, you know, it, it, it's they're they're showing their cards very clearly of what they view as a threat to the state. And what they view as a threat to the state is solidarity and people taking care of each other and people refusing to leave each other behind that they are saying that, you know, they find that threatening. Yeah, that that is so insane. And that was the next thing I want to ask you about, just like the language in the actual indictment about mutual aid and solidarity. Um, you know, so do you think that if this if these RICO charges were to stick, and I know that that is very, very, very unlikely, but that would like mm -hmm. set in stone that these things are like criminal acts, right? Is that is you you know more about law than me? So. Yeah, and, well, and I'm only I'm only two weeks into law school, so it's, <laughs> yeah. it's still early. Cheers to that. Um, but yeah, right. Mm -hmm. um, but you know they. Yeah, they, so so this is their way of defining the organization, the enterprise, because you know for the statute you just show that there's you know this this enterprise, this conspiracy that people have you know entered into in some way, and the the pillars of the of the organization they're saying is this sort of anarchist, you know, pro environmentalist, anti police, anti government 
philosophy that is defined by yeah mutual aid and solidarity and so you know you you read this you read this you know here's a here's a line from the indictment social solidarity is another term that is embraced by anarchists that is tied closely to mutual aid and collectivism they're like you know putting out this screed on you know what what these terms are again with the implication that yeah these are these are things to be criminalized and these are the things that show evidence of a conspiracy rather than you know things like mutual aid we we just saw throughout the pandemic how the government you know completely abandoned people to die right mm-hmm. and you know people came together to care for each other and you know mutual aid i think you know has always been practiced but you know really took off in that time as people saw the government is abandoning people to premature death and you know people do need to take care of each other and here the yeah. state is saying like no actually that's unacceptable and, and shows a conspiracy and it really really um you know the reverberations with like the the um repression of the lunch programs by the black panther party by mutual aid efforts right. back in the day i mean this is this is kind of a continuation of that but like an enhancement of that as well um right. yeah it's very very scary and shocking for folks on the left i mean it does read like an indictment of anarchism in general <laughs> you know right right absurdity like, how does this indictment also target the broader movement to defund and abolish the police? Yes. Yeah, I think that's it's such an important question. Um, you know, so there's this fascinating thing in the indictment where it's so it's talking about this enterprise, the Defend the Atlanta Forest enterprise. And it says that this, um, you know, this movement, this enterprise actually formed in 2020 on the day that George Floyd was murdered by the police. Um, and that's stunning for a couple of reasons. The first reason is that, so that was March, 2020. Cop City was not announced until um, until the following spring. It was, a whole, it was another whole year before Cop City was even announced. So how can an organization form to fight something that (laughs) won't even be announced for the next year. And so I think that actually, if you go to that, you can see like, this is not just them trying to attack the Stop Cop City movement. This is, this is them saying the day that abolition and, you know, anti-capitalist action became popular, the day that people, you know, took to the streets and started burning cop cars and smashing windows and, you know, making the stakes very clear, that is the day that, you know, they're saying it all started. That's when the enterprise started. And, and, you know, they're they're pretty blatantly saying, you know, our target is not just people fighting to stop cop city. Our target is, you know, any abolitionist, anarchist, socialist organizer anywhere who's who's fighting to transform the system. Um, because other, again, how can an organization form to fight something that won't be announced for a whole nother year? This is, you know, just sort of evidence that they know that they're fabricating this enterprise. Um, they, they know it's a fabrication and they're going to try to get away with it. It's a fabrication and it's and the grounds that they are pointing to the actual like crimes are so flimsy and so absurd. I don't know if you want to touch on that just briefly to give people an idea of like, yeah, the mud on the shoes at a concert, you're charged with domestic terrorism. Like, yeah, do you want right, to? Right, right. <laughs> I mean, yeah. So so from the very beginning, you know, they they've made clear that they're going to use, you know, really obscene, um, you know, criminal charges for any action 
or even any action that they can't prove that they have no evidence of. So, you know, one of one of the prime examples, of course, is March 5th, 2023. People were attending a music festival in the Wilani Forest where they're trying to build Cop City. And over a mile away, an action happened um, where some construction equipment was burned. And instead of showing up to that site, police showed up to the music festival and indiscriminately made mass arrests and charged people with domestic terrorism for just being in the forest. And the type of evidence that they that the judges and the prosecutors used to initially deny bond for those people was, well, they had mud on their shoes and, and their, their their pants were wet. And, you know, God. all of this shows that they were part of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, it's not just the domestic terrorism charges. It's, you know, the bail fund organizers who have already been charged with money laundering and charity fraud for, again, operating a bail fund. Um, there, there have been three people who were given felony charges for passing out flyers with the information of the police officers who murdered Tortuguita on it. And so basically what the indictment does is it pulls together so many of these charges and a couple more that were already political prosecutions. You know, mm-hmm. they're already these blatant political prosecutions where there isn't evidence for these things. Um, and, you know, it, it groups them all under one thing enhances the potential penalties um, and 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 I think importantly, you know, sets up the state to group more people into this mm-hmm. RICO charge. Um, mm-hmm. And I just want to note that, you know, even so, so originally um, on these cases, on many of these domestic terrorism cases, it was both the attorney general's office and it was the DeKalb County um, district attorney. So sort of like state and more local. Um, mm-hmm. Several months ago, the DeKalb County district attorney, Sherry Boston, removed her office from yeah. all of these cases and basically said, you know, I don't see the evidence to move forward on these charges. And so, you know, I'm never going to say a nice thing about a prosecutor, <laughs> but even a prosecutor, which is just another cop, has yeah. said there's not evidence to move forward on these. And so, you know, you know that the attorney general is not doing this because, you know, he thinks that there's a really good case He's doing it to try to ruin people's lives, to scare people from, you know, joining the movement mm-hmm. um, and to set, you know, to try to set a precedent elsewhere of like, if if you resist, we're going to come after you with the full force of the law. Mm-hmm. And even if these charges don't stick, it will they will ruin lives, make things so much harder for the people being charged, make it harder to right. get jobs, you know, so many things, right. they will be affected. Apartments, school, yeah. you know, people have had their bank accounts canceled and closed. Oh my God. You know, there are so many, there are so many consequences that people can face just by having this charge, you know, just mm-hmm. by having been charged with domestic terrorism. Like, yeah. you know, that's such a charged word in so many ways. And so, I mean, yeah, they know exactly what they're doing. They know that they don't need charges to stick when you can have a case hanging over your head for years that completely interrupts your ability to live your life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And in in the worst case scenario, if these charges do stick, it's five to 20 year prison sentences and the seizure of financial assets, which can bankrupt individuals and bankrupt organizations as well. So the Atlanta Solidarity Fund, they're targeting them. They're trying to make it impossible to protect and defend the people who are exercising their First Amendment rights. It's so insane. So wrong. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Yeah. In the broad light of day. Um, Right. 
so I wanted to pivot a little bit to talking about um, the recent action where activists from the Faith Coalition entered the Cop City site, chained themselves to a bulldozer, and issued their own stop work order to pause construction of Cop City. Can you talk a little bit about that, what happened, and um, yeah, kind of why they are using those tactics right now? <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, so I was not there in person. Um but it was, you know, just two days after, um, you know, these RICO charges came out. And again, the point of the RICO indictment is not just to go after individuals. It's to try to make sure that no one else, you know, will be willing to participate in this movement. It's to yeah. tell you that if you oppose Cop City, you are a criminal and we're going to come after you. Yeah. And so, you know, that's clearly one of their hopes in this indictment. And instead, two days later, <laughs> this incredibly courageous group of people go into the construction site and chain themselves, you know, to the construction equipment and say, you know, we are issuing a people's stop work order. You cannot continue. This is devastating for our community and we're not going to stand by it. And I think, you know, for me, it was so meaningful to see, um, you know, people of faith and some of these clergy standing there, you know, within the radical tradition of, <laughs> of you know, faith leaders, um, you know, which is not most of the faith tradition, yeah. but, you know, this radical tradition of faith leaders taking a stand, um, you know, is really powerful. And not only did, you know, they halt construction for that morning, but all five people were arrested and were taken to jail. And that night, people we're standing outside the jail in a solidarity rally, you know, making clear to their comrades inside that they wouldn't be left behind. And, you know, again, that's the exact sort of solidarity that's laid out in this indictment as like proof of, you know, some sort of conspiracy. And again, of course it's bogus. Um, but I think people are, are showing that, um, you know, just because you call solidarity a crime, that doesn't make it a crime. Um, and we are going to continue to show up for each other, <laughs> even though it's a decentralized movement, even though you have no idea what was about to happen. I, I had no idea that there was going to be an action. And yet, you know, once it happens, we're, we're going to show up for each other. And so I just yeah. think it's a really powerful, um, really powerful sort of defiant act to say, you know, we're people are not going to be scared out of taking action. Yeah, I just I want to raise my glass to to the activists, the faith leaders who are yeah. doing this. I mean, that is so freaking brave right now when people are facing these massive charges. You are yeah. they are putting their lives on the line and risking so much for this movement right. and to make the statement when it needs to be made that we are not going to be right. intimidated by this shit. <laughs> right, right, right. And so I'll cheers. say um, so they all this morning got um got signature bonds so they'll they'll all be getting mm. out of jail which is really really nice. great awesome amazing yeah. you shared something about the people's rico um so <laughs> in kind of response to these rico charges that just came down um there has been this other announcement that um the people of atlanta are coming together to file uh rico well i don't know exactly what the extent of of this action is going to be and if they're actually filing it um but yeah can you explain <laughs> what this is <laughs> yeah so i didn't have any part in making it but um i think it's the people's rico.com or the people's rico.org or something mm -hmm. like that um my understanding of it is that it's sort of this like parody project that is also a political education tool um and if you watch the video it sets out um, you know, what, what a lot of people in the movement have been saying for a long time, which is that every accusation that, you know, the state has made against the movement 
is ultimately just a projection um, <laughs> because it, it is the state and all of these corporate and private and public actors who are the actual ones engaged in, you know, the conspiracy of capitalism <laughs> to, mm-hmm. to push forward cop city. And, you know, it's with, you know, you can look at like smoking gun type evidence where like, you know, we uncovered emails where the CEO of the Atlanta police foundation emails, the mayor's people and is like, Hey, if you don't push this forward, these corporate actors I represent are, you know, going to throw themselves behind this secession movement. And so, you know, there are some of these like active, like behind the scenes, like, you know, we're going to, you know, we're, we're really pushing this and we're going to leverage all of this, you know, private power in order to make this happen. Mm-hmm. But there's also just like the basic way the system functions. Like, I don't think the point of the project is to say, like, this is all really secret and behind the table. It's saying, like, look at how our system works. Capitalism is the conspiracy. Cop City is the conspiracy. The only actors who are, you know, colluding together in order to push through a massively unpopular project that is destroying the planet and, you know, furthering the violence of policing is these powerful actors and they're the ones who are filing the conspiracy charges. So I think it's a way, um, you know, to help people understand, you know, again, that every accusation is really just a projection and it's what the state is doing itself. It's the Atlanta Police Foundation, the city council, the mayor. It's these various corporate entities like the Atlanta Committee for Progress. It's the Atlanta Journal-Constitution, which is our main media outlet that is owned by one of the corporations funding Cop City. You know, it's just this entire web of actors at the top where if you actually want to talk about an enterprise that works together, you know, to, (laughs) to achieve its aims that's the enterprise. And, you know, the enterprise is not a bunch of abolitionists, students, educators, neighbors, anarchists, communists, um, you know, faith leaders, a bunch, you know, people who just live around the area, them trying to stop Cop City. That's not the enterprise. That's not the conspiracy. Cop City is the conspiracy. Yeah. Yeah. You have this totally decentralized movement of people acting, um, you know, of their own volition. And then you have this totally organized, you know, collaboration between departments and everything, like much more of an actual organized enterprise right there. Um, Right, right. And let me say, like, you know, I and I don't, you know, I just want to be clear for anyone listening, like, I don't think that the point of, you know, that parody political education project is to say that, like, we're going to bring criminal charges against the state or, you know, like, yeah, that the, the point is to show that, like, actually, just the basic way that our system functions is inherently anti-democratic. It is inherently in service of this powerful network of actors that is not the people. Um, and mm-hmm. I think that's really, you know, what, what people are trying to highlight. Yeah, that's so important right now. I mean, especially right now when the whole country is trying to understand what RICO is, you know, everyone is like, their their eyes are all right. on RICO. I mean, part of when I heard that these charges had just been dropped and that they had been dropped after the Trump charges, the Trump RICO charges, I was like, they're trying to bury this. They're trying to make it so that no one hears about RICO charges for protesters, which is just insanity. And instead, they're just focusing on Trump because Trump is just the big, big thing that everyone always wants to talk about. But um, I don't know. Do you you have any thoughts about like the timing of these charges? Like we knew they were coming since... March or something, or maybe earlier. Right. Um, yeah. I mean, people. So people from the Atlanta Solidarity Fund and Community Movement Builders and the Civil Liberties Defense Center had warned back, I think, in February of this year. Um, you know that they had gotten intel that these that these charges were coming, um, and so you know the 
the fact of the charges themselves, you know, even though it's outrageous, is not a surprise. Um, I do think there are things in the content, you know, the the scope, you know, of which the scope that they're undertaking of like basically again criminalizing any abolitionist movement um, is, you know, is a huge deal. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think that for one, it's notable that yeah, same grand jury that indicted Trump and co, you know, handed down this indictment. Um, I think that there's a lot, it it could be, you know, this at this time for a lot of reasons. One of the ones, you know, that seems likely to me is that this referendum campaign has collected, I want to say 112,000 signatures. Mm -hmm. That's more people than voted for any candidate (laughs) in the last mayoral election. That's over double the number, you know, that voted for our current mayor. And so, I think that these powerful actors know that they are not going to win this thing in the court of public opinion. And so they are going all in trying to win it in, you know, the criminal courts. Yeah, um, yeah. And, you know, like we just talked about with the protests that have already happened since those charges, they're not, you know, it's, it's not going to work. They're not going to be able to scare people away from taking action. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think that it's, I think it's a sign of desperation. I think it's a way that they're trying to re-see, you know, take, take control of the narrative mm-hmm. again, because they know that they've lost it. Um, yeah. You know, every, every time the movement has, you know, grown and become stronger, they've upped their repression. So, mm-hmm. you know, it went from charging people with criminal trespass to charging people with domestic terrorism. And then, you know, once they called people domestic terrorists, they marched into the forest and they murdered Tortuguita mm-hmm. in cold blood and said it was because Tort was a domestic terrorist, um, you know, yeah. then we had mass arrests, you know, where, where, you know, people are charged, 23 people at once charged with domestic terrorism. Then the bail fund organizers have their door kicked down by SWAT, God. you know, people working at a nonprofit. And so, you know, the, 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 they've just continually escalated. And this is the latest escalation because again, I think that they know that they're not going to win this thing um, you know, in, in, in public opinion, yeah. because the, the, you don't get 112,000 signatures if people support cop city, you just don't. (laughs) Absolutely not. And they saw those public comment periods where it's like 99% from what I saw. And I sat there the whole time, 99% of people in support are against cop city, you know? So, and just a couple people that look like plants coming and be like, Oh no, I want it. Um, Right. (laughs) (laughs) uh, But yeah. Okay. So I, thank you for talking about, that and kind of clarifying because yeah the people's rico i wasn't quite sure what to make of it i love the the, um this the strategy though for kind of doing some a satire and raising awareness at the same time really really fucking smart is there anything else that you want to highlight about these rico charges uh, before we just kind of go to talking about how folks can help yeah i think i'll just say that um you know, something that's important to understand, I think, is that, you know, for for one, people have already made the connections between what's happening in Atlanta and what's happening elsewhere, where, you know, it's the the corporations supporting Cop City are nationwide. And that's why you've seen, you know, people taking actions and, you know, and, um, you know, yeah, doing these various actions all across the country, all -hmm. across the world, you know, people have already made the connections that, you know, what happens in Atlanta with Cop City matters for everywhere. Um, and I think that's only more true with every passing day as we're seeing more and more facilities that are like Cop City mm-hmm. proposed. So there's, of course, you know, Cop Academy in Chicago in 2017 and 2019, mm-hmm. I think. Um, you know, then there's Cop City in Atlanta. 
just in the Atlanta metro area. There's one in Fulton, um, Coweta County, in Sandy Springs. You know, there's been, um, you know, proposals in Ohio, in Pittsburgh, um, (laughs) in Baltimore, um, you know, Texas, Hawaii. There's the National Guard base expansion in Michigan. You know, these are these are popping up all over the country. Um, And they're doing it because we are, you know, in ever more unstable times and, you know, manufactured Mm -hmm. instability, manufactured by, you know, capitalism um, and, you know, and all the actors behind it as we, you know, continually degrade the planet and accelerate climate disaster. And I think people need to understand that, you know, Cop City is the climate disaster plan for for powerful people, you know, having police forces, you know, that are going to control the masses in in times of increasing instability. That is the plan. And, you know, the RICO charges are part of that, you know, saying that people fighting for their lives, people fighting for a future are actually engaged in this fictitious criminal enterprise. That's another part of the plan. And so I think that if you are someone who wants a livable future, if you're someone who, you know, it, is currently fighting, you know, for a better world or will someday, you know, this, this implicates you. And because, you know, they're coming for anyone who's challenging the status quo. Yeah. And I mean, it's really not even just leftists. I mean, if you're, if you're on the right and you want to protest something, your right to protest is at risk. (laughs) You know, it's, uh, we should all be enraged by this and and ready to support these folks, even if you don't agree with their p- specific struggle, because it's going to mm-hmm. affect all of us down the line. Um, so I I just want to kind of open the door for you to talk about like how people can help both uh, the defendants in these, this RICO case or with the referendum effort or showing up to the movement. Any any ways that you think um, that people should get plugged in? Yeah, for sure. Um, So, you know, the Atlanta Solidarity Fund, um, you know, continues to operate. um, And, you know, with with all of these indictments, um, you know, certainly there's a need for donations, um, you know, in order to get people bailed out. Um, You know, they will be needed. Um, Support is needed on the legal front. Um, So, you know, if you're part of a legal organization or connected to one that, you know, is in Georgia, great. If not, you know, there are still ways for outside organizations to help. And um, I believe the Southern Center for Human Rights um, is helping coordinate um, representation for for criminalized protesters. Um, We're always in need of more information and, you know, intel about what is happening. Everything in Atlanta happens behind closed doors. And, um, you know, local grassroots abolitionist press like the Atlanta Community Press Collective um, is doing really important work in actually uncovering what's going on. And so, you know, mm-hmm. you can um, donate to the Atlanta Press Collective. Um, I think spread the word. Um, yeah. Julian Kilrose made this point um, a, a week or so ago that, you know, one of the most effective ways of, um, you know, of, of of getting this out is just, you know, person-to-person conversations mm-hmm. For years, people have been canvassing in the area around the forest. They've been canvassing in supermarket parking lots. You know, they've just been, you know, sort of word of mouth telling people about what is happening. Um, And it's worth doing that no matter where you are. It's worth sitting down and reading the indictment with some people and, you know, understanding the stakes of what is happening here and what could be, you know, coming for you or anyone else next. Um, And then otherwise, I think just like looking out for calls to action. So, you know, just 
even in the last day, one of the folks who was arrested after the protests, um, you know, was being denied medication and denied food. And, you know, I think there was a call in, you know, in order to support them and make sure that they got what they needed. And so, um, you know, there are various accounts on Twitter that will often share these calls to action. I'm sure you mm. can find them with the Stop Cop City hashtag. Um, yeah, so that's that's a lot of ways. Um, but, you know, in general, I think any and all solidarity is appreciated um, mm-hmm. and, you know, continue to spread the word. Yeah, and especially with this movement, which is so all about kind of employing a diversity of tactics, like there's so much that you can bring to the table, even if you're like making art about the movement and spreading the word through your art or something right. like that, you know, like this. Right. I, I love the totally. way that everyone has been included. Everyone's skills have been employed in this yes. beautiful, beautiful effort to resist this violent police training facility. Um, totally. So where can folks find you and, and you know, what, like you have written so many beautiful, beautiful pieces about this movement. <laughs> um, yeah. I, I, I kind of want to just give a little plug to about your work. Um Sure. Um, you can find me on Twitter at Micah in ATL. Um, and yeah, I, I do share a lot. You can also go to um, at Atlanta underscore press. Um, and that's the Atlanta Community Press Collective. They share a ton of information, really critical updates on the movement. Um, of course, the Defend the Atlanta Forest account, um, you know, which is supposedly this criminal organization, <laughs> as opposed to just a Twitter account that shares information, yeah. um, you know, often shares updates. Um, and so, yeah, I would I would go to any of those places and that will that will lead you to more. Awesome. Um, and then you also wrote a primer on the Cop City movement. And I really highly recommend that everyone go read that. It's really, really well written. I love the way that you think you. and the way that you, yeah, you oh. lay your thoughts out. So um, I think everyone would enjoy oh. reading that. So. But. Thank you. And I will, I'll use that opportunity to shout out Scalawag. Um, uh. Scalawag is where that piece was published. Um, they're a Southern abolitionist magazine um, that has also done a bunch of really great reporting on this movement um, and, you know, the crisis that's happening in prisons in the South. And so, um, yeah, I would also, you can find that piece at Scalawag um, and you can read some of their other stuff too. Awesome. Thank you. I love that you're always pivoting to plugging other people, getting people plugged into these other important things. It's great. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I'm, I really, really appreciate this time with you, Micah, and like, all of the work that you are doing to shine light on this movement and, and, you know, continue the struggle. Um, yeah, I'm just in awe and really grateful to you. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you so much. Of course. <laughs> hope you'll hope we'll have you back. <laughs> Yeah, for sure. This is great. And yeah, thank you for, you know, thank you for amplifying the cause. I think this is one of the ways that, you know, we get the word out and we let people know. So yeah, I really appreciate you, you know, covering this consistently. Awesome. Well, thank you. That means a lot. (laughs) 